I'm Jane Olvera. I'm the founder and president of JP Marketing, headquartered in Fresno, California. And uh, I do have a couple of other business interests as well um, in related industries, uh, video production and marketing and outreach as well with some trusted partners that I've worked with. But primarily for the last 25 years, uh, my heart and soul has been put into JP Marketing, which is a marketing and advertising agency. And uh, I look forward to talking to you today and participating. And you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart, presented by Orange Kiwi Consulting. Thank you, Jane. It's so good to see you. I've known Jane. Jane and I actually belonged to, and I guess I still am part of it, uh, Family Business Alliance, which is university directors like myself. Uh, I run the Center for Family Business at Cal State Fullerton. Jane was active on the board for the other CSUF in California, Fresno, Fresno State. Yep. I think we met in about 2015 at one of our alliance conferences up in South Dakota, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah. Some, some fun memories there that we can probably talk about on the podcast and some others that, uh, you know, might be left better left on, on talked about. So probably with the group, we had some really, <laughs> really good group fun up there playing cards and staying up late and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and we've just been friends ever since Jane came down and spoke to our center members a couple of years ago. Uh, for my money, she's one of the top marketing and branding and advertising experts that I've ever met. And I know quite a few and they're all great, but Jane has a, a, a knack. She's been, Founded the company, I believe, in 1994, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, the year before that, and we'll talk about it a little bit, she was Miss California USA in 1993. That might come up in this conversation as well. <laughs> I want to start with the quote that you put on the bottom of the bio that you sent to me and, and just see where that quote takes us. And Jane says, creating wins and cultivating relationships is my passion. Marketing is my medium. So let's go right into that. Creating wins. Tell me what you yeah. mean by that. Yeah. So this, that uh, creating wins and cultivating relationships is actually our company philosophy. And, and uh, we developed it as a team about four years ago. And it, it really came about because I help a lot of companies brand themselves, right? And brand authenticity is so important. It's like, what are you really on the inside? And then it's my job to sort of help communicate that to, to the world. Uh, or to their worlds, their target audiences. And it's so much easier to do that task for someone else. For me on the outside to be able to work with a company and a brand and utilize tools like uh, uh, Simon Sinek's Golden Circle as an example, right? Which, which, is, which is tried and true. It's my go-to when I'm helping companies with branding because it's not just, it's not just what you do or how you do it, it's the why the why you do it and the why is so hard to answer. But I think when you're, you know, the founder and president of a company, the, the brand is very much a reflection of who you are. As much as you want to maybe try to deny that, it, it really is, you know, kind of you out there in a way. And I find that over the years, really, the team members are really sort of, um, a reflection of the brand and the agency, of course, um, but we needed to be united and aligned on the why. And, um, you know, when it, it's not very often, you know, that when we're working in marketing that we're, you feel sort of a social impact, right? Mm, yeah. You might be helping a company sell widgets uh, or, um, you know, I'm, I live in an agricultural area, so we might be helping a company, you know, you could say, well, we're helping to feed the world in a sustainable way, right? And that seems so like fantastic and amazing, yeah. right? It feels big and, yeah. and you know, and, and, and our work isn't always like that, right? I'm not helping to feed the world or uh, sustain forests or whatever it might be. But when we all work together and tried to really define the why we exist, we discovered that amongst our team, not just me, and maybe it's because it's how I hire, but a lot of my team members were very driven, very outcomes driven. Um, not always about the win in terms of what you might think the win is, because the win can be a very different thing depending on what it is and what you're motivated by. It might be closing the sale. It might be a greater gross profit. So it might be numbers of money driven, but it might also just be like, it feels good or the client's happy or 
the client won an award for the work, whatever, right? Sure. The, the win is whatever somebody defines it to be. But my team is very outcomes driven, win driven. And so when yeah, you do hire you do hire people like you. <laughs> That's a, if I were to describe you, I would have just described you the way you just described your team. Yeah, yeah, and and we think that if we're smart enough um, and we do some really good problem solving, we can generally create win wins. Um, and when I communicate with 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 my clients, I say we're going to work on what a win looks like together. We need to define success before we start. And whether you've worked with me for 20 years and it's a new campaign, we still have to define the win. I can't just assume that that mark is the same. And then, and then I'll tell the client, I can't hit a target I can't see. Yeah. So we have to have really, really, really good communication so that me and my team have a clear understanding of this target. Now, we may not hit the bullseye every single time, but I'm for sure going to miss it if I don't have clarity on the target, right? So part of our why is how do we get to the definition of that win? And then how do we try to make a win-win? So that's creating wins. And then along the way, it's important for us to cultivate a relationship. Like we, um, this sounds really cliche, but we really care about our clients. Like right. we, you know, we end up having friendships and attending birthday parties and, you know, we can, we can have over many, many years, which is unusual for an agency. A lot of agencies churn and burn clients. Right. And we have clients from day one. Um, we have about an 88% client retention rate because that relationship is important to us. And interestingly enough, once we realized that trust was the ultimate outcome of a relationship, right? When I trust you and you trust me, we can say anything to each other. Mm -hmm. We can have hard conversations. We can celebrate together. We can do all of those things in a safe space. So that cultivating that relationship and doing everything we can on our end to cultivate that relationship is critically important to us because we might have to work all night to meet a deadline. But if we have a great relationship with that person, it's going to feel good, right? right? When it's done and that person's going to appreciate and do those things. And when we, when we implemented this um, sort of company philosophy slash tagline about four years ago, we ended up saying to ourselves, we may have poop in the punch bowl right now. <laughs> and, and, you know, my team thought that was really funny. I put a poop yeah. emoji in a, in a punch <laughs> bowl and I said, it only takes one little turd to ruin the, to whole, ruin the whole bowl, punch bowl yeah. right? So we had to take a look at ourselves and say, is there any poop in our <laughs> punch bowl internally? People that aren't on board with this philosophy or not committed to the team in this way, um, not willing to do whatever it takes to cultivate a relationship, maybe. And, and we, did, we did have uh, you know, a person leave the organization once we sort of doubled down on this strategy. We also had poop in the punch bowl in clients. Sure. You know, sometimes you just have those relationships that need to be eliminated. Yeah, we've yeah. all fired clients because it just wasn't a good cultural fit for us, for our people, yep. and maybe we weren't for them and we saw it first. Yeah, I think when you have trust, just to interject for a second, one of the things that hit me as you were talking is that it really throws the questioning motives out the window. Because when a client and a vendor have question marks about what the real motive is, really trust isn't there yet. And I, I feel that when I look at the family businesses I work with, and even the friendships that I have, you know, in and out of my family and so forth, and just my social circle, once trust is there, all motives are out the window. They know that my motive is what's best for them. Correct. It's intense, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we did, we ended up um, firing two clients under the, it's not you, it's us. It's not you, it's us. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> you, it's me. It's what I feel about you. <laughs> right. It was, it was really like, it was a really bad breakup. Um, yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, it does make it does make everybody's lives just a little bit better because you, there are just some, um, you know, relationships that just aren't going to work out, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, we try to do a better job now of, of vetting that up front to the best of our ability, but um, you know, and I, I think a lot of uh, what we do in our organization probably is pretty much reflective of kind of things you do in your personal life too. 
It's just that I think when it's your own company or your own personal relationships, you are so close to them that you can't always see them, right? Sure. Or, or you're just in a pattern of behavior or a funky comfort zone, and it's easier to sort of stay in that space than it is to sort of disrupt that space. But, um, you know, to put it in context, you know, we're talking uh, here in uh, the beginning of fourth quarter of 2020. Yeah. And uh, I have been counting down um, the weeks left in the year. So there's only, there's not just, just as a sidebar, uh, I have the countdown app now on my phone so nice. that I can, like, how many Mondays are left in the year? Yeah, how exactly. Many days are left yeah. in the year. And I, you know, I was sort of, sort of joking about it a bit, but not really joking about it because it does feel like every new year gives you sort of that restart button, like kind of hit the button on the restart. Right. Um, you know, but to be honest, as I sort of think about the headspace of, you know, these relationships and, and I'll talk about really my employee relationships and my client relationships, right? They're very, very important to them. A very big part of my community as it were. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the new year and every, you know, we're so excited. We just want to get past elections and we want to get past the new year and we want to get into the season of vaccines. <laughs> and, and my, my current fear, uh, the thing that wakes me up at 4 a.m. these days is we still, we're still, we're not even probably halfway through the marathon. Yeah. You what, know, what, like, what encourages me is hoping that at the end of 2021, we're through this. Like right now, we know at the end of 20, we're still here. But maybe, just maybe the end of 21, I, I've set up my, I won't divulge on what accounts or anything, but one of my passwords I use for non-financial and secure things is 12-31-20. And that's because that's the last day of this year. And like you, I'm ready to turn the page and see what the next year brings. But you're right. I think we are probably not even to halftime yet of, of this whole game. Not that it's a game, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking, uh, I've been thinking about a couple things. One is when we talk about cultivating relationships as really our, our company mantra, but really a personal mantra, um, you know, we have been separated from the normal ways we conduct these relationships. I mean, I haven't had, in this entire time, I've only had two in-person, socially distanced, client-facing meetings. Wow. That everything else has been on Zoom. And, and you know, relationships feel different mm -hmm. um, through the screen. Um, and so I, I'm thinking a lot right now about cultivating relationships and building trust, um, you know, through a webcam. Yeah. And, and what does that look like? And what does that feel like? And how does that, how are we really feeling inside about relationships? How, how, how depleted are we, but we're not really recognizing it yet? You know, it's like, it's like that marathon runner and you're just running and running and I, I don't run marathons, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've heard yes. <laughs> people have told me that you kind of, you get in a zone, yep. right? You just kind of get in this zone and, and you're just kind of going and going and you kind of don't feel it. You don't feel pain. You don't feel tired, thirsty. You just sort of going and then, and then you might have these little adrenaline surges, like you might turn a corner or you might, um, go past some stands and there's some crowds cheering you on or right. And you have these little, like you have these like little moments of like little surges. And then, and then you might have this little moment of, Oh, that my foot, that kind of hurt my foot. Yeah. My, foot kind of, my knees right? hurting a little more than usual. Yeah. But, but, but in essence, you're still in this zone and you're still having forward movement. And it isn't it's really until you cross the finish line that you collapse. Right. right. And that happens and a lot. Very often see, yeah. I mean, they bent over, they may even lay on the ground, you know, it's not till you cross that finish line. And I feel like we've been, um, we've had fake finish lines, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. we think it's reopening here, we think and then no. think it's here and, and, and you're like, okay, I can make it. And then, Oh God, I still, I'm still, yeah. I still got it going. And so our relationships are really what I think 
keep us in a marathon mindset, right? The strength of our relationships, not the quantity, right? Um, you know, but the strength of those relationships, clients, employees, personal, um, for me in my world, and, and what am I doing to sustain those? What am I doing to invest in those? Um, probably not enough. Um, and it certainly can't be the way it's always been, you know, it can't be, you know, meeting a bunch of different friends, you know, for dinner, uh, it, it, the, the way and the levels that we used to do it. And, and, and how much do we need those relationships for what I'm, uh, calling the marathon mindset yeah. and not being a marathon runner. I don't really know what that is. I don't really, but, but I know that I need to have it. Laurieann, my wife, runs half marathons, so we can ask her. But I've seen that. I've seen the, the two most popular spots after a half marathon or a marathon are, you know, where they pick up their banana and their orange and their water and the first aid station. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of people, like you said, who have just, and she's been there. She's, she has run and done wonderfully over the last several years, but it's not uncommon for her and others to end up there, whether it's, you know, ice the knee or, or whatever it might be. So let me ask you a question in your line of, of expertise, because you are about helping people brand, which ultimately is helping their relationships with their clients. Let me take this personally with you. What are you doing in this environment we're in? I tell people that my, my width of relationships isn't as big as it was eight months ago, but my depth is deeper because now when I'm talking with you, it's just you and me. And when I'm on the screen, it's just me and the person or people on the screen. It's, I don't say, Hey Jane, how you doing? And then walk by and go to my next thing. It's how you doing? And then I'm waiting and we're talking. So I'm finding for me personally, I'm having deeper relationships with fewer people, which is new for me. That's not my personality type, but for you, what advice are you giving your clients or what are you doing for you and for your associates at your company or others that you talk to about how they can maintain and still grow those relationships because we're both in the relationship business. Mm -hmm. So we've done a variety of things. Um, so I'll start with employees. Um, so we do, we used to do an in-house happy hour and it was really to fulfill sort of this community. Um, I have this sort of, um, performance grid for our team members that's based on creating wins and cultivating relationships and there's a community box on that grid and making sure that what what are we doing for community and community is defined in many different ways and so we used to do these in-house happy hours and um you know you sort of um you know everything got turned upside down in terms of scheduling and team meetings team happy hours all of those things went out the window and we've really morphed those over weekly weekly check-ins twice a week check-ins, then we went to three times a week, now we're back back to once a week, um, trying to create structures to at least stay in touch, maybe mm -hmm. not super deep, but really just kind of checking in and making sure people are still, you know, present and sort of showing up. Um, and then we started doing our, we brought back happy hours, um, but we do them virtually now. Mm -hmm. um, so team members join on and and we have a topic or a theme and so everybody gets to speak and so we kind of go around the horn and you know it could be you know what what are you binge watching right now and sure. why should i watch it right and then we go around the room and or the, go around the zoom and the zoom yeah exactly and so so a little bit manufactured uh structures to foster at least touch points right. um i would say those aren't super deep um, but the other, what I have done also is I've increased my available, what I would call office hours. Yeah. It's called mentor time and it's on my calendar and anybody can hop onto my calendar and see that mentor time is available. And it used to be obviously in office. And so you could right. just swing by my office during office hours and any time just kind of pop in. Um, now it's, it's, it's on, um, you know, virtual. And so I'll just hop onto a, a Google, uh, hangout or Google meet and leave the, leave the window open. And sure. so people can just pop in and pop, pop in. out. It's sort of like trying to adapt. With clients, um, we've converted a lot of our clients to short weekly meetings. So they're shorter, they're check-ins, they're updates. So because things are changing so quickly too, and, and 
you might think of something and oh the good news is there's a meeting two days from now but we're also making sure that that we're inching along right so what progress was made the last week how are we all holding each other accountable because you know any client relationship is really a partnership they need something from us but we also need something from them so we've converted a lot of our clients to these shorter weekly meetings um so frequency yeah um of touch points um and then we've done things like um we did i did a whole series of handwritten notes um so every day i'd send out three or four whether it was employees or clients or whatever um that was back in may you know checking in thanking them for their business service we're here to help whatever um it's, it's, i don't know it's 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 like i'll try anything i think yeah. really yeah. Is, and we're all in that experimentation mode right now. And we're all a little more forgiving of each other for, you know, things in the background, noises in the background, technology quirks, things like that. We're all just a little bit more understanding because we're all in it. You mentioned at the very beginning um, the word why. And that's ultimately why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, my the, the vision for this isn't necessarily to dive into the backgrounds of people because you can Google that or look on people's bios or resumes and and we do, and we do tell a lot of stories, and that's ultimately why I have this passion for these podcasts and talking to people like you. And some are people that I know very well, like you. Others are people that I met on this screen for the first time. They logged in. It's like, oh, so you're Joe, and you're Joe. Okay, great. Um, I know this is a very big question, but I'm going to ask it and then have you go wherever you want to go with it. Okay. Two-part question. Why did you start JP Marketing in 1994 and why are you still doing it 26 years later? Okay, the second question is easier to answer um, because I love what I do. Yeah. You know, it really does go back to the why to, to bring the conversation full circle. It really is creating wins and cultivating relationships and this business allows me to do that. So when I say creating wins and cultivating relationships is my passion marketing is my medium mm -hmm. that's really that's really you know Simon Sinek right it's really the why yeah. it just happens to be that where I landed was you could marketing. be a doctor or a lawyer or in anything and still have cultivating wins and or creating wins and cultivating relationships as your correct correct mantra. Yeah. and 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 you know let's be honest Ed after 25 years I joke but it's kind of not a joke um I don't really know how to do anything else <laughs> I knew you were going there yeah exactly <laughs> well when you get really good at something that's true a lot of people keep doing it because what else would I do but yeah you I've met a lot of your clients because I've been up there. You've invited me up and I think I've been a part of at least one of those happy hours and I've met a lot of your clients and so forth too. And so I know that they bring you in because you are just a master at creating those wins for them and obviously cultivating those relationships. Let's go and back. I, just, yeah. I, truly, I truly am excited to come to work every day. My to-do list is stupid long. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think to myself, do I have the brain capacity today to do this, uh, write this strategic plan or craft the next trade show booth concept or whatever it is. Um, and then as the day proceeds, then it just starts, it just starts it popping, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's fun to feel like you kind of own a space or you're kind of an expert in a space. And, and at the end of the day, I really am helping people. Now I'm not feeding the world, but for that person, if I can make their world better or mm -hmm. them feel better about their work or their brand or uh, you know, increase their sales, whatever it might be, I've helped that person. It's like, you know, you threw the one starfish back and you helped that one. I tell you, that story a lot right, right here. Yeah. That story, you hear that yeah. story all the time. And so I'm not saving the world, but could I make somebody's world a little better um, in some way, whether that's the client or their customer? Um, you know, maybe I did make a little bit of a difference. How, how I got into oh, it. Yeah. How I got into this business is a much longer story. Let me see. I'll see if I can tell the short version. Cool. So, um, I was... Uh, I was a 15 year old junior in high school and we have to take these assessment tests. Lots of different tests, answer a bunch of questions and, and these assessments were supposed to sort of spit out, you know, what you Here's be the best job. Yeah. Right. right. And, and uh, so take all the tests. I have my meeting with my counselor's name is um, Mr. Minor, Mr. Dale Minor. 
at Reedley High School. And um, he says, well, we have a little bit of a problem here. I'm thinking, oh boy. Um, he I failed said, the assessment. There's no <laughs> job for me. <laughs> he's like, your results are all over the place from astronaut, scientist, you know, to f food sh chef, a lot of uh, interest, artist, all you are all over the place. But we have to write something in your chart. So what's it going to be? What do you want to be? And I was like, God, you know, when you're 15 years old, you have no idea. It's like, why did I take the assessment? Why didn't we just go to that question, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So he, he said, well, think about this. He said, where do you want to be 10 years from now? If you could picture yourself 10 years out, what does that look like? And so I said to myself, well, um, I think 10 years from now, what I want to do is I want to have my own company helping other businesses with their business. Pretty insightful for 15. And it covers all of those different broad interests that you have. Right. So he, uh, he had these little like reader glasses on and he, you know how they push them down and they like, over them, yeah. their nose, right? And so he pushes these little reader glasses down and he looks at me over the top of his reader glasses and he says, 10 years from now, you're only going to be 25 years old. Let me tell you why owning your own business isn't going to happen for you. Wow. Okay. Now this is my high school counselor. Aren't they yeah. supposed to help you? Exactly. Says, I think he thought he was helping me by being realistic. Right. He actually in the end did help me. So what he sure. said, was, well, 10 years from now, you're only going to be 25. Uh, you, the first reason you're not, that's not going to happen for you is when you go into a career, you have to start in the mailroom and you have to work your way up and you're going to need more than 10 years. It takes at least 20 years, you know, to work your way up and then maybe branch out and start your own business. And, and I said, okay, so I can't age any faster. What's another reason why this isn't going to happen for me? He said, well, another reason why this isn't going to happen for you is because you're Hispanic and Hispanic people don't own their own businesses. They work for other people. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Well, I can't really fix that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's not, too much I can do not about changing that. that. Yep. And I just kept waiting for him to say like, take more math classes or yeah. be a better writer. Like give me something I could actually. Something I can do. Yeah. I can't age right. faster and I can't change being a Latina. So what right. do I change? So now what? So now what do I do? And he, and so he says, well, the third and final reason why this isn't going to happen for you is because you're female. Female. So Knew that was coming. Don't own their own companies. And I thought to myself, well, I can't change that either. Now, I know back then I didn't realize you actually can change your gender. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another podcast, different topic, and I'm not going there. I, I didn't have any interest in changing my gender. But at the time I thought, well, you've just told me three things that I have no control over, right? And so I walk out of his office. I'm crying, right? I don't have my driver. I'm 15. I don't have my driver's mm -hmm. license. I have to call my mom to pick me up from school. And we're driving home and she's asking me what happened. I told her what happened. And she said, oh, honey, she she's driving with one hand and pats me on my leg with the other hand. She goes, oh, honey, it's okay. You can be anything you want to be, right? Probably just trying to placate me. Sure. But I think deep down, I probably owe him a thank you because I'm just stubborn enough um, to take that information. I was sad for about a day. Yeah. And then I said, you know what? And you shifted to mad. You, right. You go yeah. through the stages, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then I was like, I, I'll show you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I actually, I'm going to double down on this. I actually, I'm going to just, so for the next 10 years, I kept telling people I'm going to own my own company and I'm going to help people with their businesses. Now I thought what I thought I was going to be was a, uh, I went to Fresno State, actually a computer science major. Hmm, and what I was right. going to do is I was going to learn software programs and I was going to go into companies and train their people on, on computer software so that their companies could run better. So I was going to be a, a computer trainer. Sure. That was, that was sort of my goal. Yeah. And then I took a communications class at Fresno State uh, from Dr. Hal Boken and that flipped my world. I was like, I am in This love. is me right here, yeah. This is, I am loving every minute of this class. And uh, so I changed my major and, you know, ended up in, in communications and, and here we are. But um, I got, I was, you know, I got started in some jobs and some, in some in career, got into some media 
but it, it was still sort of in the back of my mind that someday I was going to have my own business. And I was working for a small advertising agency. There's just a three employees and the parent company of the agency had some really significant financial trouble that impacted the agency. And so we ended up uh, uh, basically disbanding. Um, and we let the six clients we had at the time, we let them know we were going to be leaving the agency as a courtesy. And um, all of them contacted us and said, well, we still want to work with you. How do we make that happen? And I said, well, I guess we can start a company. Um, and so sure enough, uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but went and figured out how to come up with a business name, get a business license, open a bank account. And uh, that was, that happened on December uh, 16th, um, 1994. And I was, I was two weeks away from turning 26. So, so you're I was still 25, just like you said you would. Yeah. And for a long time, I wanted to reconnect with Mr. Minor, my hmm. former high school counselor. I wanted to reconnect with him and show him he was wrong. Um, and then he passed. And over the years, I've come to realize I probably should have thanked him, you know, because he, I, he may, and maybe he was intentional. I was going to say. That would light a fire under me. Uh, I, I don't really know uh, what his intent was at the time, but uh, everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think there are a lot of people who that is their success story. Not yours is unique, obviously, but so many people are successful because someone influential in their life told them that they couldn't. Yep. So let's talk about those challenges for a minute. I, you know, the age part, a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are young, you know, because I work at a university, there's a handful of university students that will listen. Uh, Cal State Fullerton is number one for Latino students. Um, and we're number one for female students in, in a lot of different categories. And I, I know several of the female Latina young students. So the 22-year-old Latina who has maybe been told the same thing, and we, I want you to talk to everybody, but talk to her for a minute mm -hmm. about what, uh, more than just the, I, went, I took a communications class, but a lot of things happen from 15 to 25. You know, your Miss California experience there, I know what that did for you. Maybe you can share how that helped you or other things you did got you to two weeks from your 26th birthday and now you're a business owner. Mm -hmm. I would say there, there's a number of things. Um, uh, the, the first is um, when to, to listen to all of the voices in your head um, because there's going to be voices that are uh, encouraging you. There's going to be voices of fear. Um, you know, whether these voices are incoming from the outside or it's just your own brain at work. Um, I think it's important to listen all, to all those voices because I think those voices help guide your choices. Um, and, and making good choices um, is super important. Uh, even if the choice is I'm in the wrong spot and it's time to move on, mm -hmm. right? So, so, so you may make a choice and then get there and, and realize, ooh, that was a bad choice. Um, you know, then, then make the choice to make a different choice. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, especially when you're young, because you can have so much fluidity. The other thing that I would say is really important, and gosh, it just keeps coming back to relationships, mm -hmm. doesn't it? I seized every opportunity put in front of me. L literally every opportunity put in front of me. And, uh, and I was, uh, you know, tired and running hard all the time. Uh, but if some, if there was an internship opportunity, I would take it. If there was a, you know, part-time job opportunity, I would take it. If there was a class opportunity, a workshop opportunity and all along the way meeting people and, and being as authentic as possible, uh, because man, you run into those people again at some point in your life. And somebody had given me um, a really good piece of advice um, when I was very young. And uh, the advice was, um, as you're climbing the ladder, don't shit on the people that are beneath you. Because when you slide down that ladder or you fall off the ladder, you'll be landing in your own poop. Mm. 
And, and you know, that's true because life is up and downs. Yeah. You know, you're going to have uh, a couple steps forward and a couple steps back. And the trail that you leave behind you is truly uh, a trail. You may have even forgotten parts of that trail, but I guarantee you the other people didn't. Yeah. The other people that you touched or, or especially negatively touched um, will not forget. And, and I think, I think when you're making those choices, you know, being, being super thoughtful about them, being super aware and mindful of those choices, but, but, but seizing opportunities and, and being careful with the relationships around you, you know, because you never know. My dad always said, never burn a bridge. Still does. 93 years old still says the same thing. And a lot of it is just, it's not that we treat people well because we may need them or they may be our boss or our superior. We treat them well because that's the right thing to do. Just but also nice. just be nice, be kind, because it's, you know, kindness is, is the greatest gift we can give someone and the greatest gift we can receive back. And, and yeah, the other, I, I, your analogy of falling down the ladder and landing in your own poop, but also knowing that while you're falling down the ladder, they may be climbing that same ladder and you never know, you may be looking up and going, wow, I sure wish I would have treated that person better because now they have a chance to, to impact my life a little bit. So where that was there. So you, you gave a story of, of your, your high school, I'll say guidance counselor, <laughs> use that term loosely, rest yeah. in peace. Um, any other mentor or anybody that stands out that, you know, maybe on the positive side. Yeah, he was a positive as you look back in hindsight, of course, because mm -hmm. tell me I can't and I will. Um, mm -hmm. But anybody that stands out that, like I think of my high school baseball coach and I can go into stories of him and I have on this podcast in the past. Anybody that stands out for you? Um, so uh, a couple. Um, yeah. One is, um, well, let me, let me just say this. I am lucky in that I had two very supportive parents, not financially, did not have money, right. um, but they were present. You know, they were, they were there for me. They showed up at anything I was doing, um, did the best they could, um, you know, provided a roof over our heads and, and, you know, and, and, and loved us the best they knew how. And I know there's a lot of people that don't have that. Right. Um, and so, you know, I did have, you know, a comfortable place to lay. Right. Um, and I had, I knew I had a foundation that I could trust would be there. So I was very lucky to have that. And I, and, I, and there, but, but many success stories come from challenging places. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have that. When I was Miss California, um, I was uh, mentored really by uh, a team of people, um, but the director was a woman named Carolee Munger, and um, I was scared of her. Hmm. <laughs> I had known of her and her legacy in the pageant world and her um, standards of excellence. Um, and you know how there are people, you may have had a coach like this, where they just kind of give you that look and you're just scared. You're not entirely sure what they're thinking. But High school you know, football coach slash algebra teacher. Yes, I know. Mr. Hill, I can tell you a story after story about that. But yeah, I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I was, you know, I won Miss California and I knew she was going to be my director and I knew her legacy and I was, I was thrilled and scared at the same time because I knew the standards and the rigor and, um, you know, I have to, I have to represent the state. I am now representing every young girl um, on that stage and throughout the state of California. It's a lot of pressure, sure. for, you know, to be that person and to, uh, to work under her standards. And there were so many just little phrases and words that she would say to me, but probably more than anybody, she forced me um, to expand my horizons, to try new things, to um, you know, do my hair and makeup in a way I had never done before, um, to dress differently. And you could say to yourself, well, those are just surface things. Those are exterior things. Mm, not when you have to live into that space, right. right? Not when you have to be, not when you have to say, okay, now I'm going to present myself as this person. And she could see things that I couldn't see at the time, 
right? And so the exterior was her way of this is something I can manipulate. But really what she was doing was head tripping me into kind of these new spaces and exploration. Some of it worked and some of it didn't, mm-hmm. um, which was fine. But along that path, you just really get stretched right? And you find things that are comfortable and you find things that are uncomfortable. You find things that take a little bit to grow into. Um, but um, at the end of my year, you know, you do a farewell speech and you say goodbye and thank you to everybody. And I did a photo montage. And the night um, that I was crowned, um, there's a picture of her and I um, walking into um, this reception that they have after the show's over. And we're walking into the reception and she's, she's presenting me to the room. And it's, a, it's from the, the picture's taken from the back and you can see a whole room of people and she's holding my hand. And I don't recall her ever holding my hand, certainly not before that um, or after that. Like I, I can't, I don't remember even my entire year, but this is day one, right? This is our first yeah in this relationship and she's holding my hand and she's guiding me into the room right before we cross the threshold of the room she leans over to me and whispers in my ear when we leave here this dress you're wearing you're going to burn it and never wear it again and then we smile and we walk into Hmm. the room (laughs) okay Okay. All right. Not the words you expected to hear, but okay. Now, mind you, it was a used dress because we didn't have the money for these fancy dresses. And my mom had done her best to make it fit me and maybe add a few little sequins here and there. Um, And it worked. But that was, you know, that was really, um, the photo to me captures exactly how direct she was with me in communication um to almost boot campish yeah almost like strip you down and then build you back up but the symbolism of her holding my hand really helped me reflect on all that we had been through together over that year to know that day one her intent was to guide me yeah right and be there for me um yeah so so many life lessons um learned from her and and you know I mean, that's a three hour conversation, but very, very, very much impact, probably very much like a coach. I didn't do athletics. Right, right. I'm not an athlete, so very much like that. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, Coach Martin, my senior year high school baseball coach, he had high standards and expectations, no bad language, no chewing tobacco, which you shouldn't have to tell high school kids, but you do because it's baseball. But to this day, I mean, I'm in touch with him. He lives up in Chico, so a little bit north of you. And I'm in regular communication with him. He's just, he's meant so much to me and it's because he pushed us. So as you mentor, going back to your experience now, as you take that experience that you just described, I know you mentor others because I know some that you've mentored. Um, How do you use that, what you learned from her in reverse as you mentor other young women or men? I know you have a lot of employees that you mentor. You have colleagues of mine that you've mentored myself in many ways as well. How do you use that experience as you kind of relate to and drive others? Because you're not that type of personality as she is. I can be. Well, but yeah. I can be. Um, I think I learned, um, I, I think she was very observant and very present when it was, when she was with you, she was with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And she noticed everything. Um, And so I would say I take a a lot of that from her. I think really being present is so important. Um, If you only have five minutes of one-on-one time with somebody or, um, you know, mentor time, you know, somebody comes to me and they have a question. I, Uh, I think really being present is so important. What I also took away from her is a little bit of the don't. Um, She was so direct, um, you know, in her style and approach. Over time, she scared me less. Uh, But I would tell you today that if she walked in, I would immediately feel slightly insecure right now. (laughs) Sure. Um, because she was so direct and, and I don't know that people can hear 
what they need to hear sometimes that way. Um, I've been working, I actually, I brought some of my books with me um, in case we, you wanted to know what's on my bookshelf. Yeah, um, that, that's, I have that in my bullet book, point. Um, the Coaching Habit. Okay. I'm, I, I've read twice and I have it, you know, I, I, I put like markers on, on places where I need to remember to go. What I'm really working on um, that I would say is the opposite of, of Carol Lee's approach is asking better questions. Hmm. So instead of just directing or providing quote the answer, because sure. it's my answer, um, how do I ask better questions so that the person seeking the guidance is actually thinking through it on their own and, and then it is theirs? Yeah, we internalize it more when it comes from inside than if you tell me, hey, you know, I've got 30 years experience this. Let me tell you what worked for me. Well, that's you, first of all. And yeah, it doesn't become internal until that. And that's the, that's the art of asking questions is getting somebody to give the answer that they came up with because then it's more real and authentic and life-changing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a time and a place for storytelling because I, I think, yeah. you know, like a good fable, um, you can learn a lesson. Um, but this book, really, um, I mean, it basically says, be quiet and listen more, <laughs> uh, uh, which, you know, is, is a challenge for me right off the bat. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm really trying to do better at asking good questions mm -hmm. as a way to guide and counsel. So I would say I haven't mastered it yet, uh, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Grab another book, hold another okay. one up and tell me about it. Because yeah, this is fascinating. You can see, I mean, this is just like, you know, one-tenth of one percent of the books that I have. But what these books have in common, and I'm pointing for those that are just listening, my bookshelf of three or four levels of books is they're all books. I keep the books in my office that I've read or that are like next in my lineup because I refer back to them a lot. I've got in my office back at Cal State Fullerton shelves of books I haven't gotten to yet because people know I like to read books, especially on leadership and stories and biographies. And mm -hmm. so those are there waiting for me whenever I go back. But for now, these are the ones, you know, Ken Blanchard books and Malcolm Gladwell books and, you know, Halftime and other ins inspiring oh, books that I, so that I refer to all the time. So many but of my What favorites. else you got there? So these two a bit go hand in hand and I'm, I'm revisiting them right now. Um, so this is um, Daring Greatly by um, Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Um, you know, I have Dare to Lead sitting right over there. Yeah. Famous for this one. Mm -hmm. um, I was introduced to Brene um, only a couple of years ago. Um, this book was gifted to me uh, by someone who is now my fiance. Nice. And, um, and this concept of being vulnerable um, is so scary, but so important. And, and, and I'm, I'm revisiting it because the, because of the world we're in today, you know, where we are now, how do we continue to feel safe um, and be in a safe space to be our authentic selves and, and, and do that again through, you know, a webcam. Exactly. And then this book is indistractable. I mm, love that book. And um, it was actually uh, a homework assignment last year. So in 2019 for our, my entire team. Um, because our worlds are so filled with distractions, notifications, phones vibrating, watches, you know, your watch goes off constantly. Your screen is just filled with things and, and, and trying to, um, you know, time box is one of the most important things I learned um, from this book is, you know, putting on my calendar intentional time for things, which is really hard for me. You know, I do find that I ping pong around um, as my day goes. And so blocking out time and saying, this is what I'm going to do during this time, not just for work, but also for personal. Sure. Um, and so this, uh, how to control attention and choose your life is just like, I feel like, uh, I feel like more than anything, we feel our lives are out of control this year. Yeah. Like, and so if, if we can at least control our day to the best of our ability and how we invest that time, you know, because once that 24 hours is gone, you ain't getting it back. Yeah. You burn it. It's, it's, it's like, you, you know, like burning wood. That wood's gone. Yeah. It's I had gone. a conversation yesterday with some clients and I was talking about just that very topic about how, when I was 
face-to-face, not on my computer, but literally back in that world that we used to belong to where we could shake hands and hug people and go to meetings and lunches and so forth. It, be, it was actually easier for me to manage my schedule because I knew, for example, if I had an hour drive to a client, well, that was an hour of me time to listen to a podcast or get on the phone with another client or just have no sound and just get into my head and think or pray or whatever I needed to do in that moment. I'm finding this year has been much more difficult. I, I'm, I'm hanging up from a Zoom call and launching another one all day long. And, uh, and because a lot of us are working from home, we now have home, I'm not going to call them distractions, but home responsibilities that can distract from other things. You know, just like things that I do for work can distract me from family time. The other holds true as well. And it's been harder for me. And I've heard a lot of people say that same thing, that, that having that balance this year has just been really, really hard. So yeah, that Indistractable is a book that I would, I've read it and I would recommend it to, to anyone, especially yeah. this year, because there are a lot of distractions, that's for sure. Oh man. Yeah. And, and, um, my, you know, I grab onto these like little sayings and, uh, uh, when we, when I do our, our team meetings, uh, you know, sometimes I'll open with something like a little inspirational or whatever. Um, but my current, my current one is, um, wherever you are, be there, be there, you know, and it's really, it's kind of a simplistic way to say, be present and be mindful which is so hard. It's so hard. I find myself on Zoom calls sometimes, you know, um, mind wandering. Uh, I think of something else and I'll write it down, you know, so my, I'm looking away. Um, it's so hard to be so present all day long in this way. Right. You know, if I'm in a room with people in a meeting, it's much easier for me to be um, wherever I am, be there. Um, but yeah, because off screen, you can be looking at your phone or reading through text messages and people don't know. Not that you're doing it because they don't know, but I mean, it's just, it is easier. I, my phone is, you know, it's a little bit further away than arms reach for me. And that's intentional. It's face down. That's also intentional because, you know, while I'm talking to you, whether we're recording or not, I want to be talking with you. I'm not perfect at it by any stretch. If this wasn't a podcast, I'd probably be, you know, talking with you, flipping through the phone and a little less present. So, um, let me ask you a quick question. What breaks your heart? When you think about, you know, obviously go back to that experience you had of being told three things you couldn't change. So obviously I'm guessing there's a little bit of that in this question. But when you think about where you give business owners like yourself, you're very successful, you've built up this organization and it's doing really, really great things for a lot of people. So you get asked to give, write checks, spend time, give your talent. I know you donate thousands of hours of of your expertise to the community. That's very well documented in your bio. And I admire that. I think that's fantastic. So on that, how do you choose where you give that, but also just in general, going back to my initial question, what breaks your heart when you think about some injustice or something that you would like to, or are doing something about, what would that be? Mm, I think what breaks my heart, I'm probably not doing anything about it except trying to lead by example. And that is, um, you know, all the things you needed to know you learned in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, I feel like all of us need a lesson in that. Yeah. Like, it's one thing, it's one thing to say, be kind, right? But that is, and that is, and that means you're taking an initiative and creating an action of some sort, right? Um, that, that would be ideal mm -hmm. if we could all just be kind and say something nice or open a door for someone or just the little things. And I am telling you, the little things are so critical right now, just the tiniest little things. Um, but if, if you can't do that, either in that moment or can't find it in yourself to do that, could you at least not say anything mean? Yeah. You have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all, right? Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I mean, not just in person, I mean, on social media or wherever else you might be saying, you know, something that's not nice. Um, you know, uh, it's just so, I mean, what, ha I mean, can we just 
treat each other humanely yeah. or, 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 or stay out of the way. Um, you know, that I don't have a solution for that. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to live that I, 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 can I make a difference? I don't know. Maybe a little thing I do, somebody else could pay it forward. I don't know, but man, um, that's, that just breaks my heart. I can't even, I can't even, you know, sometimes scroll through social media and the things that people say or post or comment. And it's just, man, words hurt. Yeah. And it gives people a lot of courage when they don't actually have to have a face to face because, 99% of the things that you read there, people wouldn't say, hopefully they wouldn't say in person to somebody, maybe they would, and maybe that's really a bummer. But mm -hmm. yeah, you see things that go, would you say that to that person if they were standing in front of you? Because if they are here, you're, you're, you're more horrible than the person you just called horrible. Right, so, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so I would say that's probably the thing right now that is the most upsetting to me or breaks my heart the most. Um, in terms of how we give each year, um, we definitely have, um, you know, every year we have some effort um, and we're, it, we give um, talent, time and, and money mm -hmm. um, to either a single organization and try to make a larger impact or we work with multiple organizations. We actually just um, participated in helping a nonprofit get started um, called Rebuild Our Sierra. And... Uh, with these fires throughout California this year, um, there there is a fire uh, that's not con fully contained yet, um, mm. that is in our backyard, and it's you know the Sierra Mountains, yes, yeah. mountains, and um, you know devastating amounts of damage and um, you know homes lost, businesses lost, and frankly our forest, the place the, the places where we went. Um, when we would go up to the snow to play as kids, you know, so many of us have memories from there. And um, one of the people in my office uh, grew up up there. And she's like, I'm, I'm feeling compelled to, to do this thing and to start this nonprofit. I was like, we're on board. Let's, let's make a list, get a logo, get a name, start to get, build a website, get some partners, get a steering committee. And it's like, we got a partner. Uh, they already had a 501c3 and we, we are hitting the ground running and uh, our whole team is participating in different ways um, to help, you know, bootstrap this and get this. Um, uh, the goal is raise a million dollars and help rebuild, right? So once the, once the uh, rescue um, is complete and the fire is complete, um, you know, and the, the debris removal is complete, then, then, everybody sort of forgets right and our goal is we're not going to forget that's where the work has to start yeah. now, how, now what right right how do we bring that community back how do we how do we forest manage better how do we plant appropriately you know what are all those things that we do and man we've been so lucky to have um so much support right out of the shoot so so you know the i think it's you know what's the greatest need in that moment and that, that one just this just hit us just right. And so we jumped on. How do people get in touch with you about that? I'm going to ask you in a few moments how they get in touch with you in general, but about that particular nonprofit, because that's stirring up things in me and I know it is in others as well. Yeah, it's rebuildoursierra.org and uh, the website's up. Uh, huh. We, you know, we built it. It's getting updated on a regular basis. We have so much more to add to it. We want it to be a resource for information. Um, for residents who now have to begin the, um, you know, de debris removal process, um, uh, recovery process, you know, so, uh, we, we, you know, keep checking back. Sure. Uh, okay. There'll be many, many ways, but yeah, we're, um, right now it's all volunteer um, and, and uh, we've already got some, some great donors lined up and we'll be unveiling a plan soon uh, what our first round of investments will be as we um, start the rebuild process. Awesome. What, uh, what advice are your clients asking now that's different, maybe completely opposite or different or just a little bit different in the last eight months of the COVID crisis? And what advice would you give? You work a lot with family businesses. Most of my listeners are family business owners and leaders, as you know, because that's how you and I met. Um, 
what are you at? What are you hearing? What are they asking? And what are you providing that's now different than the last eight or now than it was eight months ago? Yeah. The conversations we're having are mostly centered around customer relationships. What is the current state of your customer relationship? And for every business, that's different, right? Some of their customers have been shut down. Um, some of them have been in go mode and experiencing some of the greatest sales. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's really um, an evaluation of the, the, our clients' customer relationships. Where are we? Where are you? What, what, and what do we need to double down on? What is it that you have always been for those customers? What is it that they know that they can count on? Because more than now, customers are looking for something that's consistent or normal, right? Yeah, so true. if our clients can provide um, whatever it is that they sell, a product or a service, but if they can do that in a way that is consistent for that customer. Now, you may have tweaked it a bit. Maybe your processes are different because of you know, COVID or whatever. Sure, sure. But I'm talking about the core of mm -hmm. what you deliver to that customer. What is that experience? Can they still count on X? And if they can, we need to double down on delivering that thing that they know. Um, we always joke, but it's not a joke. Um, you can go, you know, to any McDonald's or any Starbucks, you know, across the country and that drink or that uh, sandwich tastes the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and while you may say to yourself, well, that's not my favorite, uh, it's consistent. Yeah. It's consistent. Yeah. And so what can we do to deliver comfort through consistency? Yeah, so, people are longing for that right now. You're right, because mm -hmm. we're, 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 we're letting go of a rung of a ladder to use a you know, sort of an analogy used earlier. We're going in a different spot with it now. But yeah, we're letting go of rungs on the ladder that we have to let go of because they're on fire. And so we have to, literally and figuratively speaking, uh -huh. and we have to grab a hold of other rungs that, we're, that we've always been afraid of or didn't know were there. Or now, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we're living in Zoomlandia, you know, we're doing Zoom calls all day with clients. And like you, I've been out to clients face to face very infrequently in the last eight months, whereas I would probably go to three or four a day in most mm -hmm. weeks. So yeah, it's definitely a challenge. What, what message would you like your clients that are listening to this or just people in general who may think, you know, because I, I will tell you right now, working with Jane is a thrill. I've worked with her in the past. We've had some mutual clients together. She's, like I said, spoken at our center at Cal State Fullerton. There are projects out ahead that we will do. And honestly, you may not know this, but one of the inspirations for me doing the podcast was you. Some of the things that you've done up in Fresno with your clients and some of the YouTube stuff and others that you've done got me thinking about, I really want to tell people's stories as well, like you've done. So, how can they reach you? What would be the message? What do you hope that they take away just from this hour long conversation we're having today? Um, Lots of questions there. I'm, yeah, yeah I, I throw a lot of questions at people. <laughs> you can reach me through my website, the contact us page. Um, uh, the URL is jpmktg.com, short for JP Marketing. Mm -hmm. That's probably the best way. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, the, I think... You know, I think as I just reflect on uh, this conversation we've had today, if we were to take the manuscript and word cloud it, um, I bet you the word relationships would be one of the top words that would, would pop up. Sure. And um, I, think that's, I, think, I think that's really central um, in where we are today. You know, honestly, it's what separates humankind from all other uh, species right? Is this need for human connection. Now, some of us need more and some of us need less, but at the end sure. of the day, we all need some. And so in evaluating your relationships, investing in those relationships, keeping the ones that are important close and the ones that uh, maybe aren't serving you well, uh, maybe having a long, hard conversation with yourself about that. Yeah. Um, uh, be, and, and making space 
for uh, new ones or deeper ones or, um, you know, really asking yourself, am I contributing to this relationship in any meaningful way? If I'm not, should I be? Um, and I would say that, you know, you know, for me, the, what's in my community is my employees, my clients, my uh, a few select friends mm -hmm. and uh, my, my small family. Yeah. And um, it is a lot of relationships to manage, but, um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's where, that's where, that's where everything happens, right? Yeah. That's how you're going to be remembered. That's also where you're going to get your support. And, you know, it's so central. And I feel like this year, more than any year, has really taught me that. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to be super mindful and thoughtful about those and to be even more present for those. Yeah. And hopefully we take those lessons with us after this, because there will be a time that we will say, hey, we're now in the post-COVID era. But like we talked about earlier today, we don't know if that's going to be 2021 or if, you know, 2020 was the year of the, of the pandemic, maybe 2021 hopefully is the year of the vaccine and 2022 is the year free of all of this. And that might be, and it's sad to think of it that way, but I tell a lot of people too that at some point in time, Ken Blanchard said in a conversation he and I had back in March, and you know, you know, you and I have very similar feelings about that man. Um, he's become quite a friend and a mentor, but he said on a call we did in March, let's not waste this experience. And that's mm. lived on my whiteboard since. And um, the reason that I love it's in my email signature now as well is because, you know, my hope for me and for you and for anybody listening is that we look at all these experiences, the fires mm. in the mountains, the loss of job, the loved ones getting sick or worse, um, and somehow look back on what did we learn? How did we grow? And how are we impacting our society around us differently because of this? It's hard to, hard to be in the forest and look at the trees and say, wow, I'm so grateful for this tree, you know, but it is really easy looking back, say, I'm so grateful I went through that. So the counselor, when you were 15, you probably weren't too grateful on that first day. But as you said, you probably should have reached back and thank him. And that's exactly, I think, what we're, what we're talking about today. So let me, let me wrap up with my last question that I ask everyone. And you've just shared it for the last hour, but I'm going to ask you to kind of put a bow on it now. Okay. You ready? I Jane? think so. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, the name of the podcast is From the Heart. And it's my why is I like to hear people's stories and give them a, a forum to share their story. And most importantly, what's in your heart? 2020 was proclaimed for me personally, the year of gratitude. And it was my intention to commit to a year of gratitude and recognizing the littlest things and being thankful for them. And I have stayed pretty true to that um, despite all the challenges is every day there has to be some little thing and in that moment, when I start to complain, I have to remind myself that whatever it is that I am about to fuss about, um, it's very likely a first world problem, right? And I should be thankful that my problems are first world problems. Um, and, and I am. 